The Navy, along with the other armed forces, has been working to modernize its data communications networks under a DOD plan known as the Joint All-Domain Command and Control System. Now, the Navy's part of the so-called JADC-2 is a project called Operation Overmatch. It's actually further along in development than the JADC-2 itself. For a progress report at the Sea Air Space Conference, I caught up with the acting director of the Navy's Digital Warfare Office, Kelly McCool. Well, let's begin at the beginning. Just review the current priorities of the Digital Warfare Office, a little bit about the mission and what you're looking at for 2022. Absolutely. So the Digital Warfare Office is really focused on two general priorities, really going after capability gaps, closing capability gaps, and building the right resourcing and requirement strategies to really align our people and our money to those priorities. And specifically, Project Overmatch is our our number one priority in that area. So I am the resource sponsor for Project Overmatch, and Doug Small is the project manager who is leading the effort in terms of the acquisition team. What I'm really focused on is making sure we have an enduring, sustaining funding and priorities set as we grow the overmatch project from what it is today into an enduring capability in the future. Right, and it's not at the acquisition stage yet, is it? We are in the middle of software development, and so it is in the acquisition stage. What we've done is taken the capabilities that exist right now, and we're really focusing them and growing them. And if you like, I can talk a little more specifically about what that is. Yeah, let's talk about that first, and then we'll talk about how that's going to fit into JADC2. But let's talk about what the status of Overmatch is. So Overmatch, the Navy has been focused on the Pacific for quite some time now. And one of the things I've really gained an appreciation for is how distributed our force is going to be and how far forward operating in contested areas. And with that comes a new reliance on our networking capabilities. So we really need to modernizing our networking capabilities so that, like our phones, we can move information from point A to point B without caring how it got there. Or we can move across Wi-Fi zones and cell phone towers, and it's all transparent to us. We need that kind of capability within our warfighting networks. And then in addition to that, as our force is much more distributed, we need the right decision support tools that will help the warfighter make machine speed decisions really quickly. So that's another key focus for Project Overmatch. And I imagine going with that is a huge focus on cybersecurity because it's easy to do the, well, not easy, but you can move networks to networks protecting that information and those decisions. Absolutely. what makes it all happen. Right, right. So really, the networks and the decision support tools are the foundation of the naval operational architecture, and that's what we're focused on delivering, and that's really Project Overmatch's focus, and Doug Small's focus is developing that capability as I build the right resourcing and requirements plans. And as you build all of those pieces, how do you make sure that it's going to be interoperable in the future with JADC2, which is still a lot of concept going on there? Right, absolutely. So... JADC2 is at the concept phase, so there's a strategy that's been released. There's a joint warfighting concept for fires and for information advantage. And there's a lot to tackle there with the joint force and them looking at the strategic global sensors and trying to make decisions about how you move data around and get it to our forces quickly. So it's such a broad problem with many facets. You have to pick a place to start. And where the Navy has chosen to start is really focus on our tactical units 
and better connecting our tactical units, you know, our aviation systems, our subs and our ships together in a way where we can operate at the edge. And as JADC2 evolves and refines, we will make sure that we're connected and we're aligned there. I, I should also say I'm the JADC2 rep for the Navy on the CFT, the JADC2 CFT. So with that in mind, I have strong collaboration with the JADC2 members, which includes other service members. And so we are often collaborating on where are those good opportunities to make sure we can connect and not make decisions that prevent us from connecting in the future. And from a practical standpoint, how do you think about bandwidth out where they're in the ocean? You know, and you're not yeah. going to be in Verizon's 5G territory. Right. So you're right. So our shipboard networks, especially when you're operating in contested spaces, is very limited in bandwidth. And so we have to be smart about the data that we're moving around and we have to be able to adjust. And so we need that network of network management where we can manage our spectrum. We can also manage our bandwidth and we only send the essential data that we have to send and then backhaul when we have the connectivity that is maximum, then we can leverage that. But we are designing it up front for the low bandwidth situations, but being able to more rapidly and adaptably connect and disconnect from our networks. And that's not a bad way to program, to be kind of economical in what you think you have to ship True. around for data. It kind of True. takes you back to the old days. And then a related operational question is the installation of these capabilities on the various ships, because that's not a trivial issue for the Navy to update every ship with software. Right. And then you've got the different limiting capabilities, electricity, bandwidth on the vessels themselves to, to think about. Right. So as you know, the Project Overmatch, CNO has said it is the number one development priority for the Navy, and we are to deliver that naval operational architecture by the middle of the decade. So we're in 21 right now. It is not too early to think about how we install our hardware and how we deliver our software too. So from a hardware standpoint, we have dedicated teams that are focused on that right now. When you think about ships, there are only certain windows of opportunity when they're in port where we can do the upgrades that we need to the hardware. And so we track that and we're making sure our development effort is aligned there. And similarly with the software, we have to target software delivery by the time the fleet is doing their training. Prior to deployment and leading up to the deployment, we have to have the software in at that point. Nirvana, though, is we don't stop doing the software development. We can do over-the-air software development when it's feasible and the bandwidth allows. So you can turn that carrier into a Tesla-like vehicle. That's North Star right there. <laughs> right. And in that programming stage that you described, is that being done by Navy coders or contractors or a combination? Yeah, so it's a strong combination of government and industry partners. So I would say one of the things, since we're focused right now on the shipboard side, the NAVWAR and the POC4I team has done a really great job of developing this overmatched software factory. So it's a modern software development factory. It's really foundational to how we're going to deliver our capabilities in the future. So think about DevSecOps and mm -hmm. Agile software delivery 
and the ability to develop apps in the cloud. So what this is doing is really lowering the barrier of entry for third-party entities to deliver software. So it can introduce non-traditional partners, non-traditional industry members that can really help us with app development. So right now, we're really focused on basic apps. You know, where we can do math, we're doing math. But as we grow, this is going to allow us to scale, and I think there's some huge opportunities for government and industry partnership, and, and especially in the non-traditional areas. Kelly McCool is acting director of the Navy's Digital Warfare Office. I spoke with her at this week's Sea Air Space Conference, sponsored by the Navy League. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual, uh, afloat commands. Uh, The first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, It's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin and what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but 
uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell C-stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon, uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. 
and thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at Pluralsight.com vision. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.